you have your Bibles today and you would find 1 Samuel chapter 16 as we are going verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel. And some of you, if you were here for chapter 15, you're thinking, boy, those sermons were hard. I'm glad to get out of that chapter. Well, I'm here to tell you that today and this chapter is no easier. And so as we start chapter 16, the title of the sermon today is What Defines You? And we should know, first and foremost, as believers, that what defines us is actually not what, it's who. Uh, We are who we are because of what God says about us. Uh, Many times it is easy to become what people think of you and what people call you. We are at the age now where we are now Kylie's parents, Andrea's parents, Jayla's parents, and uh, uh, yes, I remember the rest of my kids' names, I just thought I wouldn't bore you for the sake of... Uh, repetitiveness, but or it's easy sometimes to be thought of so-and-so's husband or so-and-so's wife or the job that you do. And today you need to know that who you are is what God says about you, whether you are saved, you've been born again, brought into the family of God, or whether you're lost. And those two things depend totally on Him and your relationship with Him. But how you serve Him after that What you let God do in your life is what defines you moving forward in your daily walk. And I say that because today all of us have things in our life, things in our past that we don't want to talk about. We might call them skeletons in our closet. Now I know what you're doing. The halos are coming out in some of you saying our family doesn't have any skeletons, our marriage doesn't have any skeletons, we don't have anything in my life, that with none of that happens, look up here. Don't start today by lying to yourself. We all have a past, we all have mistakes, we all have sins, and we all have things in our life. Today the question is this, will you allow God to search and change those situations because today He already knows about them? You see, you might have got dressed today, put on your best clothes, your Sunday clothes, and strolled into church like you don't have a care or problem in the world. But friends, I want you to know that you might fool me. You might fool the person that's sitting next to you. But God knows. And this morning, I want to talk to you about how things can keep you from being who God wants you to be and doing what God wants you to do. And if you're familiar with 1 Samuel chapter 15 and chapter 16, what happened as we finished chapter 15 is King Saul had lied to Samuel. He had blamed everybody else's um, mistakes and he had blamed them for his sins. And the Bible tells us in verse 35, and I want to read this to you of chapter 15 to set up this setting. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Today, I'm going to be saying this a lot. You have to quit mourning over. And I don't want you to think today that I'm talking about losing a loved one. This is not the context of this story and this situation. He is mourning over his past mistakes. He is mourning over people that have hurt him. And friends, today you need to hear this. It is not about losing a loved one. It is about not being able to let go of past mistakes, 
burdens, and hurt, and it will keep you from being who God wants you to be. And so this morning, I'm going to try to show you three ways that you can move from allowing your past and your mistakes and your sin to keep you where you are to show you that God has something bigger in store for you. And so if you would, stay with me out of a reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're just going to read two verses this morning, and then we'll jump right in. And starting in verse 1 of chapter 16, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king among themselves. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Pray with me. Father, today I come knowing, Lord, that each and every one of us have sin. We have things in our life, hurt, brokenness. And Lord, We know that you know, and so today, Father, I pray that your spirit would begin to convict us and show us and deal with us. And Lord, just do amazing things today through salvations, through rededications, through just openness and brokenness, Lord. We pray that you would change lives today for Jesus and Jesus' sake alone. I pray, Lord, that you'd help me to say exactly what I should say, and Lord, close my mouth to everything that I want to come out, Lord, on my own flesh. And Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so today, we're going to start right in the middle of this. Right in the middle of this. And the first thing I want to show you this morning, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you will, don't let your past defeats control you. Don't let your past defeats control you. Look what it says here in the first part of verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Samuel loved Saul. Samuel knew that Saul had done something wrong. Samuel knew and understood why the kingdom had to be taken from him. But friends, just because you love someone, just because you know what happened, just because you understand what happened, doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And Samuel today is like many of you. Maybe you've had uh, something happen to you when you were a child. Maybe you've had a terrible marriage problem going on. Maybe you've had financial difficulties. Maybe you've made a mess of your life through sin. Maybe you're sitting here today saying, there's no one who could love someone like me. I've just made a mess of everything. And what you're saying is, you are going to let your defeats keep you from being who God wants you to be. And there are three ways that defeats control our future. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, sub-points, is people. People. Now today I know what you're saying. Not me, pastor. I love everybody. There's not a person in this world that makes my blood pressure go up. I've never been lied to, lied about, never been betrayed, never been hurt. And if that's you, I want you to know that you are a special kind of person, okay? But if you're honest today, you're probably thinking immediately of someone, oh, I tell you what, I wouldn't pour water on them if they were on fire, right? There's another terminology to that, but I won't use it. Maybe you're here saying, Jake, you just don't understand. You don't understand what that person did to me and said about me and and how they've hurt me. 
But today I want to show you, friends, that the defeat that people have caused you will keep you from being who God wants you to be. Think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul writes over and over and over again in the New Testament about how this person had abandoned him. This person had lied about him. This person had made his ministry and life harder. This person was supposed to come visit him in jail and didn't. But Paul didn't quit. Some of you are saying, well, Jake, I, I'd give my heart to Jesus and I'd, I'd make him the Lord and Savior of my life. But my grandparents went to church and they were one way on Sunday and another way through the week. You say, I pastor, I'd love to be faithful and active in church, but you just don't know how wicked those deacons were at my last church. And pastor, I'd love to come to church, but you don't know how much you've hurt me. And, and you see the list goes on and on. And what you see here is Samuel is not able to do what God has called him to do because he is mourning over what Saul has done. And friends, I want you to know that you will be able to come up with many excuses. They might be true, they might make sense, but they will never be enough to explain your relationship or lack thereof away from God. You have to make a choice that today I'm going to serve God. It doesn't matter if my wife loves Jesus. It don't matter if my children love Jesus. It don't matter if my, peep, my parents love Jesus. I have to love Jesus. I have to serve Him. I have to follow Him. I'm not going to let the mistakes of other people keep me from being who God wants me to be. I'm not going to let the failures of other people keep me from who God wants me to be. But there's another way that defeats happen. Not only is it people, but it's our decisions. How many of you are old enough to look back and say, I wish I would have done that different? All of us are that way. And many times we let the decisions that we've made in our past keep us from being who God wants us to be today. Just think about this. Samuel is being told by God, why are you mourning? How long is this going to last? Samuel's probably thinking, I was happy being a judge. I knew this was going to happen, God, because you told me. And yet, God gets ready to ask him, it's time for you to go anoint the other king. Now, if I'm Saul, I'm saying, Lord, I've already done that once, and it didn't work out very good. And friends, maybe today you're here and you're saying, I, you know, I, I tried to teach Sunday school one time, and it didn't work out very well. I, I tried to forgive someone one time, and they took that forgiveness and abused it. I tried to trust someone one time, and they shared what I told them. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jake, I, I, I've tried to be the husband or wife that God wants me to be and, and my spouse just doesn't care. <laughs> I tried to raise my kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and they're a bunch of heathens. You see, the decisions that we think back on that don't work out the way that we think we should will keep us from making decisions going forward. You see, you've got to make a decision that I'm going to follow Jesus no matter how it works out. I'm going to follow Jesus no matter if it doesn't make sense. I'm going to be the husband that God wants me to be. doesn't matter if she doesn't listen or not. I'm going to pray for my children regardless of where they're at in their life right now. And I'm going to trust that God's with them. You say, you know, Jake, I, I've tried church before and I got hurt. And I'm just here today for the free food and the fun. I understand. But you cannot let the decisions and the people of your past keep you from being who God wants you to be today. You say, Jake, I watched my mom and dad. They were in church and they loved God and they, they seemed to have the perfect marriage. And then when we got older, we realized that it was all just a sham. It was all just a fake. 
And friends, what happens is you have started to let people and decisions keep you from who God wants you to be. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect marriage. There is no perfect people other than Jesus Christ. And so friends, you have to remember that your sin is a problem. Your sin is something that you need to repent from and turn from. But you also need to understand that the mistakes and decisions that haven't worked out the way that you thought they would, the people who have failed you and brought defeats in your life, God knew, God knows, and God still cares. Third thing I want to show you about past defeats that control you is not only people, it's not only decisions, but it's pain. It's pain. You see, Paul had been betrayed by people. Think about this for a second. Jonah. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. He runs from God. He is swallowed in the belly of a fish. I believe he was in a literal fish. I believe that when he was there, he's probably thinking, this is not the cruise that I was looking for. And I'm guessing that when he was in the belly of that fish, he regretted his decision. And many of you today are saying, Jake, people and decisions and pain, I just can't move on. I can't let God work in my life because it's too painful, it's too ugly, it's too messed up. And what Jonah would probably tell you is, it's pretty gross where I'm at. But God didn't leave me here. You see, he said, I'm going to go to Nineveh, Lord. The, 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 you think that a fish vomiting you out was bad? It probably could have been worse. Okay, let's just be honest here. And yet God allowed him to regret his decision, to make a mess of his decision, but his decision did not keep him from keeping him from doing what God asked him to do. But pain, that third one. There's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Samson. And I believe it was a, a real story, a real man. And the Bible says he had supernatural strength. There was not a rope that could bind him. There was not a group of soldiers that could conquer him. But something happens. He tells a young woman what his strength is from. They cut his hair and they bind him. The Philistines take him pluck out his eyes, and they throw him in prison. And he asked God in the middle of that pain, Lord, if you just give me my strength one more time. You see, Samson could have just quit. Sam could, could have said, these people have betrayed me. My decisions have put me here. The pain that it caused me has defined me. But he says, God, if you'll give me my strength one more time. They take him, they put him up between the pillars uh, thousands of Philistines are surrounding him. They're, they're in the seats. And God gives him his strength one more time. And he pulls down the pillars and kills thousands of the enemy and himself. You see, friends, your pain doesn't have to keep you from being who God wants you to be. Your pain can be used by God to do great things. You say, Jake, you don't understand what that divorce has done to me. You're right, I don't, but I can promise you that God can heal and work and move. You say, Jake, you don't understand what that unfaithfulness in that friend has done to me, what that unfaithfulness in marriage has done to me. You're right, I don't know, but what I'm telling you is God says you can sit here and mourn. You can sit here and let it define who you are. You can sit here and let it destroy what God wants to do. Or you can say, God, here I am. 
God, deal with me. God, forgive me. God, heal me. God, restore me. And God, I know you've got something in store for my life and in my marriage and in my family. And God, I don't want to sit here and mourn forever. I don't want to sit here and be inactive. God, I want you to move. And so don't let defeats control you. Second thing I want to show you as you look at what defines you is that you have to believe that God has a purpose for you. Look what it says here in the second part of verse 1, and we'll just read it all for the proper context. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among himself. You see, John, or Samuel could have said, hey, why don't we go back to the judges? That worked out okay. Why, why don't you let me be in charge again? But friends, I want to show you today that even though it might seem insignificant, what God is asking you to do, even though you might be here saying, I can't do anything for God. I'm not a great teacher. I'm not a great singer. I'm not a great a Bible study scholar. Are you just willing to grab your oil? And go. You see, Samuel wasn't the focus of this story. The next king was. But God had a purpose for his life. And many times when we look back at our life and we look at the defeats that we've had with people and we look at the defeats we've had in our decisions and we look at the pain that has come, it hinders us from believing that God could use someone like me. That God could have a purpose for someone like me. There's three things I want to show you about this. One, God has a purpose for you individually. You say, Jake, I, I just don't know where I can serve God. Now, let, let me show you something. Every Sunday, we come and gather together. And this is a really comfortable chair. I think I'll leave it up here. But um, uh, uh, there's a choir. And some of you say, preacher, I have the worst voice in the whole world. I shouldn't sing loud. I should just whisper. That's probably true. But God has given some of you a gift to sing. Some of you, God has given you a gift of encouragement. Some of you, God has given a gift of being patient and kind. And the Bible says that every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. And so whether or not you might not preach the sermon, whether or not you might lead the singing, you might be that person who has went through cancer and someone sits next to you in the pew and is battling cancer and you can tell them there's going to be days and there's going to be weeks and there's going to be months when you feel like you're alone, when you feel like you might not make it. But I want you to know that I've been there and God will with me and he'll be with you you see that don't sound like it's much to you but it'll mean everything to them you might be sitting here and you've had marriage trouble things have been bad things have been terrible there was a time when you didn't think you were going to make it and there might be a young couple sitting next to you in sunday school and they begin to share we've had we've had a hard time and uh, we just don't know if we're going to make it and and this, one of the spouses might even not even be there that day it's so bad and, and you can say you know, I, I, I don't know everything you're going through, but what I can tell you is that we've been there and um, and God was with us and God carried us and God took care of us. And and it wasn't easy, but we have a marriage today that we never thought we could have. You see, friends, God has a purpose for you, even though you don't think that you have a purpose, even though you don't think that you can be used by God. He has a purpose for you as an individual, but he also has a purpose for you as a family. 
Today, I want you to know that if your spouse is sitting there with you, God has a purpose for you too. You might not have spoke the entire way to church today, right? You might be sleeping in separate parts of the house. You might not even want to look at them outside of church because you want everyone to think things are well. But I want you to hear today that God can do a work today in your home. God can work in your marriage. God can bring forgiveness. God can bring restoration. God can bring hope and healing. But you've got to be willing to say, Lord, here we are. We're not going to fake it anymore. We're not going to hide it anymore. Lord, we want you to work. Maybe it's your kids today. I want you to listen up here, kids. I know that you think your parents don't know anything. I know that you think they're just full of hot air. But the Bible tells you to honor and obey them even if you don't like it. And I said kids first because I'm getting ready to move to them. And I want to just start with the easiest. Right? The Bible tells you, wives, that you are to honor and submit to your husbands whether or not you like that word or not. It don't matter. And husbands, you are to love your wives like Christ loves the church. And you have to believe that God is wanting you to live that out in your family, in your marriage. And if you'll do that, God will do amazing things through your family. The third and final one is that is your church. God wants to save sinners. God wants to reach broken and hurting people. God wants to make a difference in the lives of your friends and your neighbors. And he wants to use the local church which is you. And so you have to believe that even though you might have not always been the most faithful person, even though your family might not always been the way that it should be, even though the church doesn't always do what it should do, that God still has a purpose for you and your family and the church. Just like Samuel had a purpose. Third thing I want to show you this morning. Do not let the past defeats control you. Believe that God has a purpose to you. And third and finally, don't let fear stop you. Look what it says here in verse 2. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, if there is one person who should not be worried about Saul, it's Samuel. Samuel had to hack the last king up on his own because Saul couldn't kill the enemy king. You would think Saul, Samuel wouldn't be afraid. He is communicating regularly with God. God came and told him that Saul had not done what he was supposed to. He came and told him that Saul would no longer be the king. In the very beginning, who to anoint as king? Samuel should be the one person in this story that knows who God is, knows what God wants, and is going to do what God says. But I want you to hear this this morning. You could read this book, you could know this book, you can memorize this book, and there will be situations that fear will overcome you. You say, preacher, I'm here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Wednesday night. There will be situations that will cause you to fear. You say, well, preacher, I just don't agree with you. I'm not afraid of anything. There's nothing that God could allow that would cause me to be afraid. I want to tell you a story about a man by the name of Elijah. He uh, called down fire from heaven that destroyed a sacrifice. He then had a group of men that went and killed those prophets. This man had direct access to God, right? Fire from heaven, people willing to fight for him. 
But yet one mean woman caused him to run to the backside of the desert and ask God to kill him. And so what does fear look like in the life that you are living? Three quick things and I'll close. The first one that fear stops us from doing what God wants us to do is failure. The fear of failure. How can I live out my Christian faith at work? I'm afraid that I'm not going to be the parent that God wants me to be. I'm afraid I'm going to fail as a husband. I'm afraid I'm going to fail in business. I'm afraid I'm going to fail. And failure will keep you from being who God wants you to be. You say, Jake, I, I know that God wants me to be a Sunday school teacher, but I'm just afraid that I won't do a good job. I know God that God wants me to sing in the choir, but what if I meant to sing like this and end up singing like this? Right? And everybody hears me squeak. Don't worry, every junior high boy goes through it. You'll be fine. It happens. Well, preacher, I know I should work at vacation Bible school, but what if I forget the ABCs? And you're some of yours going A, B, C, D, just to try to prove you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about admit, believe, confess. What if some kid asked me to get saved and I don't know what to tell them? That's how most of us live. We can't do anything because we're afraid that it might not work. Second thing I want to show you about fear is inadequacies. I'm not enough. I, I, I'd love to be that Christian husband for my wife, but I, I just can't. I just can't. I want to be that parent. I want to be the parent that teaches my kid the word of God and and, and encourages them. But I just I don't know enough. I. uh, I don't eat breakfast on Sunday mornings pretty much all of the time because I get so nervous being in front of you that I'm afraid I would puke on the Hampsons. That's how nervous I get on Sunday mornings before I stand up here because I've heard myself. I've listened to myself and If the Lord does not show up, you have wasted your time. And so have I. Why? And that fear of inadequacy keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. We're not worried about if it's going to fail or not. We just know that it can't happen because we're not enough. And I want you to hear this this morning. You're not enough. But God promised that when he saved you from your sins, that he came to live within you. And the Spirit of God that lives within you is enough. He is enough to overcome your fear. He's enough to overcome your depression. He's enough to overcome your sin. He's enough to make you the husband or the wife that God wants you to be. He's enough to make you the parent God wants you to be. He's enough to make you the friend and the soul winner that God wants you to be. He is enough. That's why you have to quit saying, I'm going to do this and say, Lord, I will do whatever you provide. For me to do. That's why he told Samuel. I have made a king for myself. And see today I want to challenge you. The Bible makes it abundantly clear. That nothing is impossible with God. And so today whatever you feel inadequate about. You say Jake I, I, I just. I can't work in the nursery. What if I have to change a diaper? I don't know just call my wife. That's what I do. I don't know what to tell you. All I can tell you is this. You have to get to a point where you know that one, your past defeats do not define who you are today. Second of all, you have to believe that God has a purpose for you. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And no matter what Satan tells you or your neighbor tells you or the people you live with tell you or your co-workers tell you what Satan
tries to tell you is that God has a purpose for you. When you get to that point, you say, I know that I'm not defined by who I am. I know that God has a purpose for my life. Here I go. That's when fear starts. Right then, the fear. What if I've never done this before? What if I've never lived this way? What if I fail? What if I'm inadequate? And the third and final thing about failure is the cost. Is the cost me. I hear this all the time from people as I'm telling them about Jesus. People say, you mean if I get saved, then I can't swear and then I can't gamble and I can't drink and I can't run around and then I got to go to church and I got to pray and I got to read my Bible. And they say, that's just too much. I, I can't give all that up. I want Jesus and my way. I want you to hear this this morning. There is no Jesus and your way. It is Jesus and it's His way and His way alone. Die to self. Live for Him. But friends, I want you to know something. You have to count the cost. Jesus might call you to move to the mission field. Jesus might cause you to go up to someone and say, hey, I need to apologize for what I said to you in the third grade. And that person might have been carried around that hatred for that long. Maybe today God will deal with you here. You'll have to go to your wife and say, hey, I've not been the husband that I should have been and I'm sorry. Maybe you'll have to call that family member that you have nothing to do with and say, hey, I'm sorry. The cost is what drives us to not do what God wants us to do. What What if it costs too much? And I'm not talking about money today. Well, you know, I'd love to be a Christian. I'd love to be a part of this church. But, you know, they want you to be here every week. And, I, you know, I got a whole life to live outside of here. I mean, I'm not giving up my life for Jesus and church. I'd love to work in Awana, but Sunday nights are my time. And who cares about them kids getting saved, right? Sounds a little worse coming from up here, but that's what you say in your mind. And so that's my question to you tonight. Is the cost of following Jesus? Is the cost of being set free? If the cost of what God might ask you to do, keeping you from saying yes. See, listen to what Samuel said there in verse 2. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. To Samuel, it was his life. It might cost me my life. And friends, today I want you to know something. That Jesus Christ is worth it. His love and forgiveness and relationship with him is worth everything. You say, Jake, I've been a Christian my whole life and I don't agree. That's one, because you've probably never been saved or you've never really had a relationship with him. You've treated him kind of like that weird step-sibling that you don't really like, okay? I'm wrong with step-siblings. I'm just saying, don't treat them like they're weird. What I'm saying is most of us don't have a real relationship with Jesus. We don't spend time with Him in His Word. We don't pray. We don't read our Bibles. We know about Him, but we don't know Him. And this morning, I'm telling you that Jesus will set you free. He will set you free from that sin that's hidden. He will set you free from that baggage that you're carrying. But you've got to believe, first and foremost, that your past defeats don't control you. You've got to believe that God has a purpose for your life. And you have to believe that when God has set you free and set you on a direction, that fear is not going to control you. Because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Friends, if you'll do that, you will go from a place of inactivity to a place of activity. You will go from a place of bondage to a place of freedom. 
you will go from a place of discouragement to a place of hope. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you will go from lost to saved. The Bible makes it clear that God loved you so much that He knew every sin that you'd ever commit. Every one of them. The ones that no one else knows about. The ones that are only in here. And the Bible says that He died upon the cross to take your punishment. The Bible says He was buried but then three days later, he arose from the dead so that anyone who calls upon his name, repents of their sin and trusts him, will be saved. Friends, today that can be you. You might be saying, well, Jake, I've been baptized. Baptized don't get you to heaven. You say, Jake, I'm a member of this church. That don't get you to heaven. You say, Jake, I took the Lord's Supper 710 times in my life. That don't get you to heaven. There is one way to be saved, and it is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Friends, there will be millions of church members in hell. There will be millions of baptized people in hell. But today, if you're saved, you'll be in heaven. There are no saved people in hell. Because what God saves, God keeps. If you're here today and you say, Jake, I know I'm saved. There's no doubt in my mind. I've trusted Jesus. But you're saying, oh, I've got some unforgiveness in here. I've got some hurt from my childhood. I've got some, some brokenness from that divorce. I've got some, some, some anger from that betrayal. Today God says, I can take it from you. Or you can just keep mourning it. Keep stewing over it. Keep grieving over it. And nothing will change. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I have been there and God set me free. Today, you need to be praying differently. You need to be praying, God, how can you help me share my story with someone else? How can you help me from being a chair sitter to a hope spreader? To someone who my story and how God has changed me can give hope to someone else. How God setting me free from addiction can help someone else. How God saving our marriage can help someone else's. How, how God brought our prodigal kids back can give us hope to someone else. You see, friends, you're in one of those stages. Either you're lost and you need to be saved. Whether you're saved and you've been burying stuff and you won't deal with it. Or, friends, you are here today and you were saved and you've been set free. And God says it's time for you to quit soaking in the blessings and start sharing what God's done for you. You're in one of those three categories. Today what will you choose. To do going forward. Pray with me as you stand. Father we thank you so very much for your word. And Lord I pray that I've just presented it. Verse by verse. Word by word. To your people today. But Lord I know that there's nothing I can say. That can change them. Lord there's nothing I say that can help them. God it is only you. And your word. And so right now, Lord, I pray that your spirit would begin to draw lost people to you and show them that they can be saved and have hope and joy and forgiveness through you. Father, I pray today for that Christian who's made excuses and buried things and hidden things that today, God, your spirit would begin to convict them and draw them and show them that you don't want them to live in the mess that they're in. And Third and finally, Father, I pray today for those people who you've saved and you've set through. They've 
dealt with these issues by your grace and mercy, that today they would step forward and say, Lord, use me. I'm not going to be afraid of how this could hurt. I'm not going to be afraid of how someone might misuse this. I'm not going to be afraid of what this is going to cost. God, I want to be used because of how good you've been to me. Lord, I pray that you'd stir us up today. Lord, that you'd do something that only you could do. Lord, that lives would be changed here today. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you. Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.